This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon to you. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas representing Transitions Life Care. Mary, how are you today? I'm doing well. The spring weather, I'm working in my garden. It's just, I can't wait. Summer's I, on the way. I forgot about your green thumb, Mary. <laughs> and now it's 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 about that time. Yes. You know, it's warming up a little bit. Nice weekend here. So it's a good time. The weeds have made their appearance in they my have. lawn. So I'm, <laughs> I'm targeting that. But uh, let's get into today's topic. And we're going to be talking about Well, fear and fear of talking about death. And this is something that, um, you know, I think a lot of people can identify with, but we're going to try and change that. We're going to try and overcome that fear. And we're very happy to welcome onto the show Dean Lambert. Dean is the manager of the Love Always Project. Dean, thank you so much for joining us today. Hello there. Thanks for the opportunity. Great to be with you. Dean, first of all, maybe you can start us off by telling us a little bit about yourself. Where did you start? How did you get here? Um, Talk to us a little bit about you. Well, uh, growing up, I was a military brat and moved all over the country, was born overseas, and uh, uh, followed my my dad to uh, Naples, Italy, which is where I went to to part most of my high school, and then we moved to uh, Nebraska, Hmm. which is... uh, where I was deposited. <laughs> and uh, so um, I put down roots, met my wife there, uh, was planning to, we, we met at the University of Nebraska, uh, wanted to be a doctor growing up. And uh, when I found out uh, from my advisor that that takes many hours of math and science that I had not anticipated, I thought, well, we got to figure something else out. So um, a friend of mine and I uh, worked for a company that uh, DJed for weddings. He was a broadcasting major, and that's uh, what I started doing. Um, spent uh, about 10 years in radio before starting a small advertising and PR firm in, in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, and uh, uh, several years into that, we got called by a, a funeral home that uh, needed to do some promotion. And we thought that was odd. Um, but uh, I quickly realized uh, after working with that funeral director for quite some time and Having some success at helping them, you know, promote the value of funeral service, communicate differently with uh, with families and with the community, and sort of, uh, you know, pull back the curtain on you know what they do. I realized that that being a funeral director uh, was very very similar to what I always wanted. I wanted to have a hometown. I wanted to be uh, a hometown doc that took care of all the people, mm-hmm. you know, from birth to cradle or cradle to cradle to uh, to, uh, to grave, I guess, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, and it was truly kind of a ministry, to use uh, that word. Um, and the funeral director was, uh, you know, they, they had some competition in town, but, you know, most of the time they were looked at as, uh, you know, uh, centers of their community and people they could rely on uh, akin to clergy. Mm-hmm. And so I had talked to the owner of that funeral home and, and told him that I was thinking that I might want to become a funeral director. And uh, he was a great mentor to me um, and had uh, uh, very empathetic powers. Uh, told me that what I had done and what my company had done for their funeral home was something that was sorely needed in the profession and uh, that he would promise to keep me close to the funeral profession by, you know, recommending me to other funeral homes. Mm-hmm. Um, within a short time, we were working for probably 300 firms. My business partner at the time 
um, want to do something different in advertising. And so I, we split off and, and my firm became one that was just dedicated to funeral service. And at the time, there was only one other agency that was uh, deeply ensconced in the profession. And so I started going to meetings and conventions and talking to more funeral directors and uh, uh, ended up um, signing on with a company that, that wanted me to take what I did for their company. Mm-hmm. Um, and it happened to be a company that, um, that uh, funds prearranged funerals. And so I became their, uh, their uh, uh, eventual senior VP of marketing communications. Um, and this is a project that they asked me to start uh, just uh, you know, a couple years ago before the pandemic started. So that's what I'm doing. That's my, uh, besides uh, corporate communications and marketing, this is something that they, I'm spending most of my time on. And we're doing it because we feel like uh, that uh, people want to have these talks. They want mm-hmm. to plan in advance. They, they just don't know. They don't have, they're not aware of, the, of, of how they can do it. And they don't really know what, what they have access to to help mm-hmm. them do it. And uh, so it's a passion project for me now that I'm, you know, almost 60 years old. And um, I, I get to do something that uh, is pretty exciting. That's an incredible journey. I, I really like where you've come from and where you are and your mission and your passion uh, for this project is awesome. So I've, I'm sure you've had many conversations with people in the community and, and people that you work with that are afraid of death, even if it's an inev- inevitable, um, you know, death and taxes are, are things that are always going to be here. Are there ways that you work to overcome this and to make these conversations easier for people? Absolutely. And I, I'm not a clinician and, and I can only talk about my lived experience, which includes my professional life and my personal life. So what I can tell you is, is what I've observed and, um, and we've done research uh, on this over many, many years, both with folks who have not had a conversation and not planned in advance, not just for, you know, for end of life death, but the approaching, you know, when mortality becomes an issue. And, um, it all comes down to conversation. You know, there are many different ways that people can approach this just through normal conversation. Uh, I was uh, the head of an organization in the funeral professional called the Funeral and Memorialization Information Council, and we created these cards, um, the deck of 52 cards, and, and it was they were meant for people when they're at family gatherings or, you know, other milestone events, could be funerals even, I guess, uh, where it just had questions on it. Mm-hmm. to start a conversation, to learn about your family and their experiences. When you start understanding um, and have these conversations, just normal life conversations. Hey, Grandpa, I heard you were in the Korean War. Mm-hmm. What was that like? How did you beat Grandma? Dad, you know, um, was Mom the first person you fell in love with? Um, <laughs> you know, just having these conversations begins to give you a sense of your history, um, your culture, uh, your parents' lived experiences and how different they are from yours. And that's the easiest way to do it. You don't even have to talk about end of life. Start with a, a, a need and a want and a desire to know more about yourself and your past. And mm-hmm. those conversations almost always give you some clues on the first thing that you need to remember when you're talking about planning for end of life, and that is how does somebody want to be remembered? Mm-hmm. What are the symbols and the rites and the rituals, whether it's religious you know, I love to fish or, you know, whatever it is, it allows you to start forming that story about your loved one's lives and mm-hmm. thinking about your own and then wanting to tell your own children and family 
about your life. It becomes much easier to plan in advance or when the need is immediate, mm-hmm. if you know more about your family. And that's the thing that's great about this whole project is it's getting people to talk about their history. It's not just a 23andMe DNA thing about <laughs> what I'm made up of. It's, you know, how did my family members, you know, live their life? And why does it matter? And what should we talk about uh, when the time comes that we have to remember these folks? That's a great point. It almost feels like it's just normalizing conversations. It's not even normalizing a death conversation. It's just getting back to the basics of having real conversations with your loved ones. Absolutely. And that's as simple as it is. Now, when you get into, you know, uh, dad, you know, mom, your house is a mess here. We got to start talking about things you need, you want to throw away and keep. That's a bit harder, you know, mm-hmm. because then you're really, you know, talking about uh, the nitty gritty. But when you start with the simplest conversations, then the harder questions don't seem as odd or awkward. I mean, it's not that it's going to, that's going to go away, but, um, you know, your relationship is at a point where you're not asking merely to be curious. You're asking with purpose and to make things easier on them and the rest of the survivors when it comes time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. I had a conversation. We've been having conversations with my grandfather recently, and we, we always talk about his history and, and things like that, and he's very open about that. And all of a sudden, he brought it up. You know, his there's something wrong with his memorial stone that's in the columbarium where he, where he is eventually going to be with my grandmother. Um, and it, my dad was like, we're, we'll fix that. We're going to fix it, but we're not going to do it now. Uh, we're going to fix it when the time comes. And he's like, we'll fix it when I'm dead. And it was such a you know, uh, a strange conversation and it wasn't normal, but it was brought up and it was, it was awkward, but you know, it was, it was almost kind of, um, a little bit laughable because it was, he was just so matter of the fact with it. It was like, yeah, don't do it now. Don't waste my money now. (laughs) I think that's the way a lot of people handle it, where they, they go back to the shock value a little bit, or they turn it into comedy. (laughs) And, um, you know, it's funny that any, any comic that you hear um, will tell you that um, their, their comedy comes from some sort of hardship or memory or that's, that's not positive, and they turn it into laughter. And, um, you know, uh, if they're successful at turning um, their, their cultural or their personal negative experiences into things that can be laughed about, then certainly, you know, regular folks like us um, can kind of do that in advance and that is to take something that will probably be very tragic um uh, it it could be the hardest thing in the world but maybe made easier by by uh the caregivers and things like that but it is tragic and so you know when you can talk about the things that you want to smile about and laugh about and be nostalgic about uh when it's time to talk about end of life um you know it makes it a little bit easier yeah, having a broader conversation and then, you know, sprinkling in the questions that you uh, maybe have a, a fear of asking, it makes it a little bit easier. We're speaking with Dean Lambert. He is the manager of the Love Always Project, and we're going to continue our conversation on fear of talking about death right after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5. AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. 
This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Hey, if you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, you can go online anytime to Transitions Life Care. Org, transitionslifecare.org. It's a wonderful resource for you. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, and on the line with us, we have Dean Lambert. He is the manager of the Love Always Project, and we're talking about the fear of talking about death. And uh, Mary, I thought Dean brought up some good points mm-hmm. in the first segment. Uh, you know, it, it makes sense on kind of having a plan or some icebreakers when it goes into having conversation. Like if, if you're on a first date with someone, you don't lead <laughs> off with, well, how many kids do you want to have? Or, uh, you know, s- something like that. It's a little bit jarring. But, you know, there, there's also some key questions that these conversations should lead to. I think that's a great point. And, you know, I do go into first date with a list of questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised with that. you, you got a plan. Uh, Dean, I think some of our listeners are, um, especially shout out to my dad, hey dad, um, are maybe taking care of their parents or spouses and um, having end of life discussions is really hard, but it's so important. And it's definitely not something you should put off till it's too late or you're in a crisis in the hospital and having to have this awful conversation um, or what most think is an awful, there's ways to make it not awful. So what are some critical questions and conversations um, that you can have now about end of life? Well, you know, you're absolutely right. Um, uh, the, there are more and more people that are um, having to take care of their parents at an age where they also have uh, kids at home or teenagers or people still in college that they're also supporting both financially and, you know, upbringing. Uh, that's commonly referred to, you might have heard of, the sandwich generation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so um, most of the time the conversations uh, that come up are because a parent has uh, gotten a diagnosis, becomes disabled or ill, and you've got to make uh, some uh, decisions together. And that is very difficult, um, especially as uh, you know, a parent can't make decisions for themselves. Who's going to make that for them? Do you leave that up to you know, uh, the mother or the father that uh, is still able to do that? That's a lot of pressure for somebody when they're, you know, their loved one is slipping away or, or, or they're imminent or they got this diagnosis where they have, they're thinking about what life's going to be like without them. And um, it happens all the time. So I guess the first thing that I would say for people to do, um, and my wife and I just went yesterday to see an attorney to make sure that our things were updated because I'm, we just both turned 59 and um, I'm thinking of, you know, retiring at some point. I don't want to wait too long. So, you know, we just want to make sure everything was updated. We have a daughter who's getting married, another one who's uh, been with her uh, special one for seven years now. And uh, we just wanted to make sure that, you know, things have happened since the last time we got together with somebody to plan what we, we wanted to have happen. So I think the easiest thing to do for people, my advice anyway, um, is, is to make sure that you do it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're in your 20s and 30s, I would not expect my daughters uh, who are uh, 32 and uh, 20, almost 29, to, you know, actively plan and put, you know, talk about what they want to have happen to assets as they're just starting to build assets. Mm-hmm. But when you're in your, you know, certainly you approach that 40-year-old mark and you have kids, um, you need to start thinking about those things for yourself. That is the best practice in the world because then an attorney or some other advisor is asking you all of the questions that you need to know. 
once you go through that process yourself and you understand whether you want a will or a living trust or whatever it is, you understand the hundreds of things that you need to get down so that there are there is no conflict and that the probate doesn't isn't longer, that you ensure that your wealth is passed along in a way that doesn't burden people, your survivors. And I think educating yourself on what to do for yourself is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure what the demographics of the listeners are out there, but again, when you're when you're really, really young, it's unfortunate that it's a rite of passage that these things can happen very quickly and immediately and so you don't get the chance to have that discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, you start with, you know, how to how to remember people or learning about their lives. But when you get into your sandwich generation age, which is usually between, you know, your uh, upper 40s and, and your 60s, where your folks are in their 60s to their 80s, um, you know, doing it yourself gives you a really, really good idea of the things that you need to know. Mm-hmm. It makes it a lot easier then to take what you're talking about in terms of what their life experience is and getting to know your folks a little bit more so that you can remember them properly and commemorate them properly to saying, hey, you know, while we're talking about this, you know, uh, this is tough, but, you know, we should probably talk to you guys about um, your money and your final wishes. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. what is it that you want to have happen with your assets, with your house? Uh, do you guys have a will or a trust or something that we need to know about? Um, and uh, I'm going through that, you know, right now. My father's uh, uh, 82. Uh, this year, and um, he and his wife are, are getting, you know, to be where I'm scratching my head sometimes when I, I don't get a text back or something. I'm thinking, uh-oh, you know, mm-hmm. well check, you're right. Mm-hmm. Well, we've had these conversations, uh, and I said, Dad, you know, you've got this big ranch down in Texas, uh, and uh, not that he's a rancher, but he likes that life. Uh, you know, his house needs repairs. Uh, you know, I don't know. I know that now. I know that it's it's financed, so he has a mortgage. Um, I know that his wife needs medical care, things like that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just going to have to really uh, ask those questions. They're hard, but once you start getting into the conversation and you get past your parents saying, what do you think, I'm dying here? Or, <laughs> or you know, or whatever it is, it, it becomes normal, mm-hmm. and they want to talk about it. Uh, all of a sudden, it becomes something. You go back to what we're finding out in research that, that um, people know that, it's a, that, that it's a, they're sort of duty-bound and they have a responsibility to make sure that the emotional and financial burdens aren't left to their survivors. Mm-hmm. We hear that all the time in people who have planned their funerals in advance. Um, they just don't know how to start that conversation a lot of times. And so um, once you start it, they all of a sudden uh, be careful what you wish for because then all of a sudden you hear sometimes a lot more than you want to know, including mm-hmm. the fact that they have seen a doctor about skin cancer recently or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. so hopefully I've answered your question. But again, I think it starts with you, especially if you're in the sandwich generation. When you go through it yourself, then you kind of understand what kinds of questions you'll need to know for people you'll need to take care of or uh, be the administrator over their over their estates. It's a great point. You you kind of are perfect segue into um, my next question. Um, it's about funeral pre planning, and and you touched on it a little bit. Um, my question is, what exactly is involved in funeral pre planning, and where do you start? It sounds like maybe a conversation is the best place to start, but can you talk to us a little bit about what what does it mean to be funeral pre planning? Well, that's a great question. And first, I'll tell you whether you're uh, talking to your parents about end of life. Um, their memories, their, you know, how they want to be celebrated. I have to say that, um, you know, we live in a, in a very uh, uh, broad cultural society, ethnic society, and it's important to recognize that as we're having these, these discussions, there are uh, cultural and uh, religious and all kinds of things that influence how people have these conversations. 
Um, in some cultures, it's unheard of to put your parents in a nursing home or long-term care when they get sick. A lot of uh, people take their families in, and it's just something they do. And they do it. It's a burden, but it's also they know that those those last years or months or days that they have with that family member are times that, if they're able to, that you can have some of the most meaningful conversations of your life and learn some things. So, you know, the, the advice I'm giving here is more technical and more more you know, practical, but I think people need to be respectful that, um, you know, as you, um, you know, as you grow, um, and, and live your life, that there are cultural, religious, and other, uh, things to think about, about the way, you know, people approach these, these things. Uh, so, um, but I will tell you in terms of planning a funeral, um, right now, the best place to go is to, um, you know, you go online and mm-hmm. you start searching, uh, burial insurance, uh, uh, funeral planning, those types of keywords are some of the most uh, often searched right now. Mm-hmm. And so you'll find out a lot of information, uh, but it's confusing. It can be confusing. You know, I'm, I'm traveling uh, overseas, uh, uh, hopefully, if things don't get too crazy uh, in, a, in a week. Um, and uh, I needed some things, uh, you know, uh, to, to help me pack, you know, uh, packing cubes, things like that. Man, you're inundated, mm-hmm. <laughs> depending on what you're searching for. And it's hard to make a choice. And the same thing is with, with funeral services. Mm-hmm. Then you've got all of the things that the, the news media and the entertainment media has done to uh, confuse you about what funeral planning is, is like. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the Big Lebowski. And they, you know, they, when they uh, pour the ashes out over the ocean and the, they're very powdery and they come back in the wind at them and they make light of that. Well, you know, cremated remains aren't just ashes. They're bone fragments and all kinds of things. It makes it a very gritty deal when you when you've been uh it's it's a gritty uh uh composite and so people really need to educate themselves so that they can make decisions about what they want for themselves and they can ask the right questions um i would say that right now you know people should uh, get over any fears they may have about talking to uh funeral professionals Mm. uh they are uh truly uh passionate folks who want to take care of their communities um they work especially during covid uh, it's been um, critical for them uh, to take care of families and alter the way they do business. So uh, to make sure that folks can memorialize their loved ones properly while they, you know, while gatherings have been constricted. And so they really are a good resource. And I would say that get to know uh, your local funeral director or at least the funeral business in, in your community and, and go ask somebody who really knows and does this every day. Uh, trust me, though, they do it every day. They think about it every moment of every day as they, as they get calls. And they are the, the, the most uniquely qualified people to answer your questions. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't go online and, and educate yourselves on, on things that, um, that uh, will tell you the, the way to do it so that it is uh, uh, legally, legally right, you know. So when you plan in advance, there are, you know, hundreds of things, again, that, that somebody, will, a, a funeral professional or, or a website that's worth its salt um, will take you through so that you know um, your preferences. Do you want to be cremated? Do you want to be buried? Do you want to be cremated and buried? <clears throat> um, uh, what kind of a service do you want? Do you want to have uh, a visitation or a wake, as some people call it? Um, in the Jewish tradition, uh, you uh, can't use a casket that has any type of metal parts because uh, they want you to be returned to earth as quickly as possible. So funerals in the Jewish tradition happen within 24 hours. There's rarely a visitation. Um, and, um, or if there is, it happens very quickly. Um, uh, so uh, it, it's, it, it's those kinds of things that, that qualified folks need to answer. 
the first step is to recognize that you want to that you want to make sure that your wishes, uh, folks today, baby boomers, they want to have control. Mm-hmm. They they want to uh, control the cost so that they make sure that uh, their estate, the, the, their funds that go to their their heirs or heiresses, their children, uh, their survivors uh, intact. And so that's why people buy life insurance. Uh, that's why people will uh, fund the funeral uh, with uh, in a variety of ways, whether it's insurance or whether they put money in a trust. And they get that all down. Mm-hmm. When, you're, when you're not under duress, and I can speak from experience, um, those decisions are much easier and you're more clear-headed. That's why advanced funeral planning is so important. Uh, my wife and I have our funerals planned. We we know where we want to, uh, where how we want everything done. We have the money put away. But about six years ago, we lost our son. He was in Afghanistan, came home, and and he was, uh, you know, one of those 22 a day you hear about. He just couldn't adjust. And so my wife and I, you know, when it came time, um, the Marine Corps uh, makes uh, their soldiers or their Marines. Uh, uh, the Marines friends I have are going to kill me for that. But uh, they want their Marines to communicate to their parents. Or their loved ones, what they, how they, some some amount of burial wishes. So we knew Adam wanted to be cremated, and we knew that uh, what his religious preference was. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond that, that was it. And so uh, when we went in there um, after he died, one of the first calls I made was to uh, my Patriot Guard riders captain here in town. I do military escorts on motorcycles with the Patriot Guard here. I called him because uh, we already knew what funeral home we wanted to use, and the mm-hmm. first impulse was for me to call that my 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 my. Patriot Guard captain. Mm-hmm. When we got to the funeral funeral home and started planning, um, you know, of course, my wife and I, are, we both work, you know, in this business. And so we uh, we thought we had it down pat. And there's a there's a, a thing that a lot of military folks do called a Harley hearse, which is basically a caisson that's towed behind a Harley Davidson uh, trike or another motorcycle. And it's it's beautiful. And I know a guy who builds them. And I talk to funeral directors all the time about how important it would be for them to invest in that Harley hearse. Um, because of the number of veteran deaths we have and, and how inspiring it is. And, and so it just was automatic to me to mm-hmm. call that Patriot Guard captain. And then, you know, you would think that I would remember when it came time to plan my son's funeral that, you know, get to the Harley Hearst. Well, when, as the, the funeral director was taking us through the process and talking about Adam and things like that, we got to what's called the livery, the cars, you know, the hearse, which is called the coach in the business, the family cars, the flower cars, all that. And then he pulled up a slide and he says, we do have, you know, we've got the Harley hearse. I'm sure you wanted it. That was the moment that I knew I wasn't right in the head because I completely forgot to ask about the Harley hearse. If he hadn't taken me through the process, um, I would have forgotten it. And let me tell you, you have one shot at mm-hmm. this. One shot. Yeah, that's that's a great point, Dean. And thank you for sharing that story. We've got some more questions for you, but we do have to take a break. We're speaking with Dean Lambert, manager of the Love Always Project, and we will be back right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. 
This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. Our guest on the line is Dean Lambert. He is the manager of the Love Always Project. And we're talking all about uh, you know fear of talking about death, thinking more positively and being more proactive about end of life issues and uh dean we, we again thank you so much for your time here and we'll uh we've got a few more questions for you before we let you go yes sure. definitely and, and dean i i we've been talking about the love always project we've mentioned it a few times but maybe you can um, give our listeners a little more information what is the love always project and how did you guys get started yeah so um so basically the love always project um when we first started it, I decided uh, the best approach would be to make sure it's something that I can turn the keys over to um, the folks that are wanting to talk about it. We did some research and found out that there's already we, uh, 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 conversations happening, sort of an undercurrent. A lot of people are searching for end-of-life things online, and there are people who are talking about it, but not in a, not in a purposeful way. In, in other words, there's, you know, when somebody dies, you'll hear things on, on Facebook or through social media where people are, are sharing after the death. And uh, there's volumes of it. People are pouring out their emotions and thoughts about, about these things. And so as we did the research and as we did social listening, as we decided that we, we really think that we want to make sure that people know that it's okay to talk about this, we thought, what's the best way to do it? Well, let's um, create a grassroots movement, a project, um, to promote discussion about end-of-life issues, to um, have people talk about their experiences and share online um, and, uh, and through our website and with one another uh, what they think about their experiences with loved ones who have passed away and things like that and, uh, or planning in advance. So we want to have a lot of, um, of folks out there sharing their experiences, asking questions, combined with expert information from subject matter experts grief support experts, and just have a place where that can happen. Mm -hmm. And um, there are a lot of folks like yourselves who um, are trying to get people to talk about this. There are a lot of podcasts. There are some that are serious. There are some that are funny. Uh, they're dealing with it in all kinds of different ways. And, and hopefully we can become part of that community and contribute to that conversation. But the Love Always Project through our website, lovealwaysproject.org, and all of our social channels, which you'll find on Facebook, Instagram, uh, uh, Twitter. Um, and uh, and what, what we want people to do is to, is to talk about it there mm -hmm. and to learn about it there. And hopefully uh, you'll see more and more content build. We're working on that. We want people to feel like when they, quote, join the Love Always Project, join our movement, that they feel like they're doing something purposeful. Uh, we've done research on pre-planners and people who have planned and funded their funerals 43% of people who pre-plan and pre-fund their funerals tell us that within a month of doing it, which is when we do the survey, that they have already recommended it to somebody they know, family or friend. So we know that it's positive enough of an experience and that, that folks think it's important enough to do that they're willing to recommend it to others. You talk about a tough conversation. I just planned my funeral and you should too. And in any environment, retail, service, whatever, if you have what uh, Malcolm Gladwell calls uh, as mavens, people who are willing to proactively talk about something they bought or experienced, that is golden in any type of enterprise. 
And so we know that once people do this, if they're willing to tell their family and friends about it and not only tell them that they did it but recommend it, we know that once people start talking about it, it's just going to bloom and bloom and bloom. So it's our effort to provide awareness and access to information and tools so that people can start having these conversations and get their wishes down or encourage their loved ones to get their wishes down. That's and it's the ultimate act of love, and that mm-hmm. comes from our research. Uh, we called it the Love Always Project because people think that it's kind of a love letter that they're leaving behind. And uh, so uh, we've just started, and we hope it grows, but we want it to grow. We want to be partners in the content with folks that want to share their experiences um, and their questions. It's a, I love the name. That was going to be my next question, and you got ahead of me. Um, I, I think Sorry. it's so important to know. I think it's so important uh, to think about how you want to be remembered. What is your legacy? And I think these are all really great, important questions that um, pre-planning really helps you control. I can't imagine someone trying to answer those questions for me in the moment when I'm not there. Um, so I think that that's, mm-hmm. that's all really impo- important. Can you tell people again, how do you join this movement and, and where do you go to learn more? The best place to go right now is lovealwaysproject.org. Um, go through the content. Um, joining uh, is really easy. What that means when you join, there's no cost or anything. It means that um, over time as we build our content, we'll be offering uh, our, our quote, members or people who are part of the movement um, information as they want to receive it. Um, uh, that's uh, They can you know, customize it, they can opt out, whatever they want. But right now, we just want people to be aware that we have the material on our website, lovealwaysproject.org. Um, we are encouraging people and trying not to seed Facebook with folks like me who are, you know, who can tell stories and things like that. I, I just, unfortunately, the beginning of the year here, we've had some deaths in the family. And, and um, so I've had some real world experience in the last two months. Uh, I could write all day, but um, I also don't want to sort of hog that that space. I'd like uh, folks to go out to our Facebook page and really post questions or or talk about their experiences. Again, we're very active on Instagram, but we're pushing content out there, and we'd love people to participate in the conversation. And, you know, people are a lot braver and uh, behind the keyboard, for better or for worse. We hope our, our, uh, our access points are for better. And so um, I would encourage you to go out there and just kind of check it out. Uh, we'll be building a, as we partner with uh, a website called forgrief.com, which uh, will provide grief support and some really uh, uh, interesting and helpful uh, access to grief support materials. And, uh, of course, you know, we'll be linking back uh, whenever we have permission to uh, opportunities like this um, to talk about so that people get other points of view and ha- know that there's more out there. Um, that will help them, you know, go through this process and make, you know, end of life planning, grieving and living your life as positive as as possible uh, through having talked about it and knowing, you know, being more confident in what's going to happen to you and your loved ones as they uh, go to whatever next phase you believe in. Yeah, it's it's a neat idea. Lovealwaysproject.org is the website. Lovealwaysproject.org. He is Dean Lambert, manager of the Love Always Project. Hey, Dean, thank you so much for your time today and for uh, sharing your knowledge and information about the Love Always Project. We appreciate it. Me too. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. 
This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, and we are now pivoting to planning, which is something that we love to talk about, and we are very excited to have joining us Claren Engelbreth. She is the, a financial advisor and a mother of four. She's got her hands full. Four <laughs> boys, actually. Uh, I don't know how you do it, Claren, but thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. I always tell everyone, they say, well, how do you work? <laughs> As a financial advisor, I said, this is where I come to rest. <laughs> That's amazing. That's awesome. You know, so, Claren, you, your background is in the financial world from corporate loans to mortgages, and uh, you made your way back to financial advising for individuals. What made you want to move more into individual financial assistance and advising? Well, when I decided that I wanted to work in the financial industry, you know, one of the couple of things that were really important to me were to help people and to educate people. And so I found I had so much knowledge from working in different different areas of the bank, but I really wanted to be able to help people organize their money, feel good about their money, and make sure that they were making really good choices, but also informed choices, that they understood, you know, what they were doing and why it made sense to them. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get out of the corporate world and really be able to help people and make a difference. That's great. It gives me like a good feeling to know, you know, uh, financial advisors are something they'd be kind of intimidating for people. Um, and it's something that maybe comes with a um, stigma that it's only for wealthy people um, or you need a lot of money to have a financial advisor, but that's not the case. And it's it's nice to know um, your background and um, that you're really looking out for people. Um, and I, that's also a question I had. Is it only for wealthy people, financial advising, you know, it, with that stigma? Um, it kind of maybe scares some people off from consider financial advising or estate planning. Right. The industry has changed and still changing so much. And what I would say to that is, you know, I feel like, you know, when you talk about being wealthy and needing an advisor, it's something that has always seemed like, I always picture the Wizard of Oz and the wizard being behind the green curtain. And you know he's behind the green curtain, but you don't really know much about the wizard behind the curtain. You're afraid to ask because you feel like you should know about the wizard. Um, So anyway, you're right. You do not have to be wealthy. You know, everyone uses money every Mm -hmm. single day. It's an exchange to buy and sell things that we need or want. So our industry has changed from being just, stock pickers to really helping people holistically plan so many different things. Um, And that includes your investments, retirement, goals you want to accomplish today, the right insurance, um, helping people with estate planning and kind of all, every aspect of organizing your wealth. So you, you know, and being wealthy is subjective too, right? That's Mm -hmm. a different number for everyone. So what I find is whether people have more money than they need or not enough, they still need to get it organized and make sure they're making good choices. So I think that everyone should take the opportunity to talk with someone that is a financial advisor at some point. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you touched on estate planning there for a second. I want to circle back to that. Um, when should someone start estate planning? Is it ever too early to start estate planning? Uh, it's never too early. I am a uh, cancer survivor myself. Oh, wow. So when you start to think about your own mortality, you know, I'm pretty young. That could happen at any mm-hmm. age. So no. No, you can never plan too early. And honestly, estate planning is the best gift that you can leave your loved ones. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm, not to get too personal here, but when you were diagnosed with cancer, and I'm so glad that um, you are here with us and that, that you have made it through all that. And it can, and I really admire that. And I think that that adds to your journey um, in doing what you're doing now and, and the career that you're in. When you were diagnosed, did it... Th- kind of shift your mindset a little bit on your role um, in in your career as well and financial advising and um, and the clients that you work with? It really did. You know, um, knowing that you could not be here and that it actually could happen and that you're, you know, we all know we're not invincible, but we still kind of deep down at our core believe that we are to some extent invincible. So that completely changed my perspective that, you know, I myself at a young age need to make sure that I've got my ducks in a row and that everything that I have is organized in case I were to leave this earth. And um, so, yeah, it has changed the conversations that I have with all of my clients, no matter what their age is. Mm -hmm. So how does one get started with estate planning? What does that first step look like? Yep. So the first step would be to Think about what's most important to you when you leave this world. What do you want to happen to your, to your assets? What do you want to have happen to your, your tangible things that are important to you that you want to go to specific people? So start to think about what you want to happen when you're not here anymore and how you want that to happen for your family. There's so many aspects of estate planning. It's not just, you know, I need a will. And that's going to lay out who everything goes to. There's beneficiaries on accounts. There's ways to avoid certain um, certain documentation and public documentation upon your death. And I really think it's also important for your family to know what what do you want to happen? How do you want them to celebrate your life? You know, it, it's really not a good time for your family to be making financial decisions mm-hmm. when they're trying to decide how to honor your life. Mm, that's a good point. And, uh, you know, when you, we've touched on family here a few times, when is the appropriate time to involve your family? If, if you're anything like my family, they want to be involved in the whole thing um, from the very get-go right. <laughs> and, and also have their say in everything. Um, but when is the appropriate time to involve your family in, in the conversation and in this process? So, you know, for for aging parents, it's really important that before, you know, before you can't make decisions, they need to know, you know, what's important to you. So the earlier, the better, I say with that, too. You know, with me, I've sat down and I've had a conversation with my husband, my spouse, about here's what I want. Here's what I want to happen if I'm not here. This is how it should work if I'm not here. This is who you need to talk to. And we've got it all written down. And same thing with aging parents. You need to sit down with someone that's important to you, be that a child or another family member or a friend, and let them know, hey, this is the planning I've done. This is what's important to me so that 
they're not trying to figure out when you're not here what they need to do first. Um, so if you haven't had that conversation with your important person that you would want to be in charge when you're not here, you need to have them sit down with you and your financial advisor or your attorney that's done the planning for you and make sure that they're aware of how things are supposed to happen. That sounds like the ideal scenario, and I, I think we should all, you know, make it a point to do that. Mm-hmm. But I think so often we, we tend to put these things off or maybe neglect it, and then, uh, you know, a crisis happens, and then we're, we're kind of thrusted into this. So for, for those who experience that, you know, what, what are the main things that we need to keep in mind with an estate plan when we're, we're suddenly we're presented with a, a scenario that we, we were not foreseeing? Right. So I think it's really important to, number one, you've got to find the documentation if, and find out if there was. And typically those can be recorded um, if there was some planning done. Typically, typically it's recorded. And then you want to make sure that you find out where all the accounts are and you want to, you know, get with an attorney to help you make sure that you're processing the estate the way that it should be done. Because that can be a very lengthy process and it's one that you don't want to do incorrectly so you i would definitely advise the help of a professional um to get through that mm-hmm. well claren if folks are looking to find more information about you what's the best way for them to get a hold of you sure sure so i have a website you can google uh, Edward Jones, Clarence Engelbreath, and my name should pop up, and all of our, our address, our office hours, and our contact information is there. Would love to have a conversation with anybody that's looking just to get some advice on where do I start, because every person is different, and every situation is different, so happy to help however I can. Wonderful. Again, she is Claren Inglebreath. If you want to find more information about her, just Google Edward Jones, Claren Inglebreath, and you'll find more. She's a financial advisor and mother of four boys, and we really appreciate her time today. Claren, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Well, we are out of time for today. We appreciate you joining us, and we hope that you uh, have a wonderful New Year's Day and a wonderful 2022 as well. We hope you'll join us again next week. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a wonderful day. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.